Welcome, Knights, Tigers, Hawks, Warriors, and Krakens to this episode of Bragging on My Airmen. Today we sit down with Tech Sergeant Manning, also known as Mike Sarge. This is a man that puts in work as a special signals operator, a family man raising a four-year-old boy, a YouTube content creator with over 90 videos, nearly 2,000 subscribers, and last but not least, a musical artist with 1,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Please enjoy this conversation with Tech Sergeant Manning of the 324th Intelligence Squadron. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the party. Leave drama at the door, or you gotta go. So sorry, time to leave that at home. So turn off your cell phone. We smashing your ego, cause it's a no flex zone. Welcome. This is Master Sergeant Derek Addison, and I'm here with Tech Sergeant Manning. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Tech Sergeant Manning. I go by uh, Mike Sarge on my in my other life, my uh, my Batman life, um, and uh, I'm happy to be here. So, what do you do for our group? Uh, so, I am a one and two Charlie. Uh, I'm an analyst. Uh, I've been in the Air Force. It'll be wow, ten years in March. It's it's been quite a journey. Um, and, uh, I'm also one of the, uh, POCs for, uh, the DNI for my flight as well, uh, diversity and inclusion. And, uh, I'm overall, I'm a hard worker and I can be a goofball when it's, when it's presented itself. So for the, the DNI, the diversity and inclusion council that's going on, uh, I hear there's a kind of like a stop or a moratorium. Can you explain why? Or do you know why? Uh, I don't have a tons of details on that because um, I even asked about it. Um, what I what I got was that there are some changes being made in regards to like the training and the way that things are run for the council, like not just for here, but across the board, across the Air Force. So until those are, are locked in, I'm being told that it's just on a slight pause at the moment. Interesting. Yeah, I saw the uh, there was a conversation or an email that said something about DNI is temporarily canceled or something like that. And I, I just right. didn't understand. Uh, and it's the first I had heard about it as well. So obviously with the group staff where I work, we talk about the big moves of 2020. So I know, you know, last year they were called the big rocks. This year they're big moves. Going into 2021, we talk to and we deal with the Diversity Inclusion Council, you know, the the leads for the group, mm-hmm. Sergeant Tucker and... Yep. Uh, Sergeant McCoy. McCoy. Yep. Yeah. For some reason, I, I kept thinking Maisha, but I... I think that's our that Tucker's is first Sergeant name. Tucker. Yeah, so I was like, <laughs> I know it's an M, but I can't remember which one. Yep. Obviously, we suck at names, you know. Being in the Air Force, it's just attached to our chest. So, yep. so I have you here because Chief Trish is the person who told me that I needed to have a conversation with you uh, about who you are, not just in uniform, but also out of your Batman identity, if we uh, if we want to call it that. <laughs> uh, now, also knowing now that you're a one and two Charlie, that makes uh, a little bit more sense too, because Chief Trish really knows the one and twos in the group. So the one and two alphas, which he is, and then one and two Charlies, which uh, I feel that even in the Intel community, we don't really understand what one and twos do. Because you know, so a picture, right? Whenever people look at images, you can pretty much figure out what's going on in this. Whereas a signal, you see a squiggly line and trying to break that out or trying to figure out what it's what it is you know if it's passing data or voice or whatever all those things are kind of confusing to most people right especially if you don't go to tech school for it so and then trying to explain like how how the signal is you know 
you know, propagate through space and everything. It's just, uh, I feel like some people just give up. Absolutely. I would. I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if I didn't have to teach it a good fellow, I would have given up. So <laughs> when I was talking with Chief Trish and he was uh, saying that he was listening to uh, one of your albums on Spotify, which I will uh, link to everything on here, uh, and I'll try to see if I can uh, legally put some of your music into this, right. either start, finish, or in the middle or something. Uh, at least uh, maybe a sampling of, of some of the songs. But I was talking with him, and he mentioned that you don't curse in any of your songs. Correct. So obviously I went to Will Smith in my head, right? <laughs> obviously he is the most famous rapper in, that I know of who doesn't curse at all in any of his songs or anything like that. He just makes up his own words. Basically. You know, like getting jiggy with it. I don't know if jiggy was popular before he came up with it. Good question. I don't know. Yeah, right. Then obviously listening to some of your music, you do not sound like Will Smith. So yeah, I'm a little bit different. A little bit different. <laughs> and not, not in a bad way at all uh, either. So... I kind of want to ask, what are your primary influences, mm -hmm. and how did you maybe get to where you are with your style? Because okay. you know, every as an artist, everyone's style is completely unique. Absolutely. Obviously, you have influences uh, that have gotten you to um, the type of rhythm and cadence that you do in your in your music. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just curious, like, who are those influences who kind of developed that in you? Okay. Uh Great, great question. Uh, so for me, I'd, I'd have to go, I'd have to start with my, my upbringing, right? So uh, I'm the oldest out of four kids. And normally they always say the, the oldest is either the one that gets put through the most or the one that can be the most, uh, be the most hardheaded. And for me, I'm, I'm both. Uh, <laughs> so I, um, when it comes to my influences, like I, um, I was raised in Atlanta, and Atlanta has become, especially in hip hop, the the mecca for for hip hop. It used to be New York, uh, especially in the in the '80s and the '90s, and now it's kind of turned into Atlanta, where there's this hub of all these popular artists are coming out of there. So I had a lot of people that I was listening to uh, growing up, and and granted, though I am a rapper, I'm a fan of music, like just in general. Like yeah. yes, I love hip hop; that's my first love. But I love hip hop. I love jazz. I love gospel uh elements of pop uh if i hear the right style of uh of even um rock and country like i, I will i will listen to it because i'm a music fan yeah. um i'm not just a, a hip-hop guy so um when i talk influences like i can give you hip-hop examples but like i was a huge fan of michael jackson like his music chris brown his early music even people like uh in my top three people get surprised i say frank sinatra yeah. And they're like, hey, Frank, Frank Sinatra. I wasn't, I was not expecting to hear that from a rapper. I'm like, well, yeah, because Frankie is super smooth. I call him Frankie, yeah. uh, but he, he's, he's super smooth and he has a way of, of, you know, drawing your attention. And so when I think about my influences that way, and w when it comes to my style of music and the way that I present my music, I can literally listen to my music and tell you probably what artist influence, you know, what part of a song like there are ways in, in my more i'll say gritty grittier songs you can hear influences of maybe uh little wayne in it or drake and though i don't sound like them uh, i can pinpoint maybe a song that they did 10 years ago and go oh wait that's probably where i got that from and every artist is, it's the same and also what's cool about it is your experiences have a lot to do with your style as well so you mentioned like not cussing and things like that um yeah. I made a decision very early when I started that 
I was just going to be myself, like authentically. And uh, at that time, and even still now, I mentor a lot of teenagers, so middle schoolers, high schoolers. And I would once once every month, uh, especially when I was at Georgia, I was stationed at Georgia prior. I once a month, I would go to my old high school, my old middle school, and I would talk to the kids. It's because I knew what things they were getting into is the same things I was getting into. Right. And essentially, I got to go. I, I get to have these kids in the class. The teacher's not in there, and I get to go. All right, guys, teacher's not in here. I know what you guys are doing because I was doing the same thing. Don't do it. Yeah. Right. It seems cool now. It's not. You guys are in situations where people are telling you you can't do things or you don't have the family dynamic to do these things or you're not smart enough to do these things. It's not true. I'm from the same neighborhoods you guys are from. And so I I got a chance to do that and it's filtered into my music. So I uh, when I release something, I do it with I, I do it with intent. I'm intentional. I know I have an idea of who's listening to my music. It's not just the younger crowd. It's parents a lot of the time. And so the greatest feeling I get as a rapper is knowing when a parent tells me, hey, I can just play your music in the car and I don't have to cringe or I don't have to listen intently to make sure you don't say anything that's reckless. And that as a rapper, it it means a lot because I'm I'm not I'm creating music that's authentic to me and I'm not intentionally going, well, it has to sound like this to be accepted. I'm going, no, this is who I am. And they're just accepting it for what it is. And I believe that's what art is, essentially. It's it's you painting this picture of who you are, your experiences, your, what you're dealing with, uh, and where you plan to, to, to be uh, going forward. Obviously, you know, prior to this conversation, you know, I sent you a few uh, ideas that I was having for, you know, questions and things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that definitely touched on one of the questions that I had for you. So I, I know uh, listening to With the Spinach. So it was evident within the first few bars that you really pride yourself on authenticity. Mm-hmm. English is hard, I guess. So, and uh, want to ensure that the message you're putting out is 100% you. Um, and that's either due to your faith or the experiences you had in life. So does your faith, I know that you are a man of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, does your faith play into your music or does it provide you maybe content for your music? Uh, honestly, I'd say it's a mix of both. Uh, okay. I'd say it's definitely a mix of both. So I've always had this mentality if, and I don't want to say just hip hop, in any genre, if an artist, if a musician, if a band can hop on any song and talk about the most vile things that you can think about, right? And some of those things I even vile. Like if, if someone could talk about the money that they're not really making and brag about it, or the cars that they drive that they really don't own or these mansions or whatever it is that they're talking about and that's their art i feel like i have every right as a as an artist to talk about enjoying my life having fun hanging out with friends family faith sports whatever it is because that's that's my platform you, you know what i mean yeah. so my faith is uh a part of my life it's 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 how I make, or well, it, it helps guide my decisions on a day-to-day basis, and so I do love, I do love to give people a certain, because I don't, I don't like to preach in my songs. I don't, right. I don't like to do that. I feel like you can go to, to church if you want, if you want to get preached in. Yeah. But I, I do love to give context to why I feel the way that I do, and so I do get questions. I remember early when I was doing music, and people would ask like, "Hey, how are you working twelve hours and then you're doing music?" Like, how are you doing both? And you have a family. Like, how are you How are you doing all this? Generally, you know, the, the first answer is like, okay, well, I mean, I have a passion for it. I love it. 
And then when the follow-up is like, well, what about when things get hard and like when you don't feel like doing music or things at home are tough or things that work at like what explain that and then I, my honest answer to them is like I mean, my faith like that's that's how i keep going because uh i've always felt like music is the tool but it's not the purpose right no i get that you, you know what i mean like it's music is a tool you know sports is a tool like podcasts you know are, are the tool but if you don't have a message for that tool it's like what am I doing it for? Yeah. And so, you know, my faith has has definitely uh, inspired a, a lot of things that I've that I've put out. But it's also been it's also been a way for me to help grow at the same time. I think sometimes we forget that our favorite artists and our favorite musicians, they're people too. And a lot of times, like I'll put out something and it has nothing to do with my faith, but people will ask me faith questions. Uh, for example, there's a song called Authentic, mm. and it's a song I made for the kids that I mentor because I was I was bullied heavily growing up. Uh, and I know a lot of them still deal with that. So I was like, you know what, let me, let me put something out for them. Well, the thing is, <laughs> the thing what I found out is when I got done with the song, I realized that it wasn't 80% them. It was actually like more 75% about me and my experiences. And they kind of filtered through as I was writing it. It had nothing to do with my faith, but when the song came out, a lot of people that I know, friends, family, coworkers, regardless if they were a believer in faith or not, would come up to me like, hey, I, I really felt that song. Like, I really appreciate you releasing that. Now, though, I felt super exposed, right? Because I felt like, man, I just released this. And I, I might get questions about it, like, from my parents. Like, oh, we heard this song. Are you okay? Yada, yada. But the opposite actually happened. It became, wow, I've, I know what that feels like. I didn't know anyone else felt like that but me. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes like when I'm going through things and maybe I don't verbally say them to people, sometimes music is a great is a great uh, mediator for that. It, it, it like stands in the gap for me to explain, like, oh, how do I explain this? Or like if we're in conversation, oh, I don't know how to tell this person this. OK, let's make a song and let's see if we can see if that can come out. So it's it's yes, my, my faith definitely inspires a lot of things, uh, but I'll say like my experiences and my interactions with people, they're, they're great inspiration as well. And, and I totally agree with that. One, so going back to the religion thing, mm -hmm. when I was learning about religion and trying to figure out where I fit into this world, right? Uh, just on a religious basis or not, I'm not a religious person, mm -hmm. um, but I still, everyone has that question, you know, what's the purpose in life? What's the, why am I here? Things like that. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, everyone asks these random questions they're not i mean i guess they're not random anymore if everyone asked them but you know i started studying and just learning about you know the root of organized religions or just religion itself religio the latin form just means government and it's we think of religion in the sense a lot of times as something people do on sunday or saturday if they're seventh day Adventist or, or whatever um, and it's something that they do outside of their life or it's just one of those extra parts of their life and going back to you know ancient Greece and ancient Rome and things like that, where where they had the uh, the pantheon of gods and goddesses and things like that. That was just literally part of their day. They would wake up. Everyone would go to whatever you know the savior of their town. You know whether 
whether it be Zeus or Ares or whoever, whoever they, you know, who, whoever they deified because of what they needed. Sparta deified war gods, obviously, and they became amazing warriors. And then you've got agricultural, you know, who worshiped Dionysus, you know, the god, the god of wine and acting and fertility. I don't know. He had everyone had like 17 different things. They were god and god stuff. So That's true. it's kind of hard to keep <laughs> track. But, you know, so they had these individual gods, but obviously they, they, you know, they talked about all of them. But it was just part of their daily life. It was something they did every morning they woke up and they went and gave an offering or whatever like that. And I understand how when you say it's not something I do, it's just something is part of me, part of my daily life. Um, I do understand that. Also, I know how maybe a horrible assumption, but I'm assuming that you are a Christian. Yep. Uh, so in the Christian faith, uh, or at least in, in the Bible, Actually, I'm not sure if it is in the Bible. I just know it's a Christian thing, but this too shall pass. Uh, I'm assuming that's a Christian thing uh, or it's in the Bible somewhere uh, because I hear that. You hear that a lot. But, you know, having faith in something that whatever hard time you're going through, you've got an outlet, not just religion, but also your music. And whether that's, you know, if people believe it's uh, nature versus nurture, if that's a, you know, a God given talent or it's uh, something that you've developed because of your passion for music in general not just hip-hop or anything like that just music as a whole because i I think every artist should like frank because he did it his way Mm -hmm. and you want to be that distinct right Mm -hmm. there's no one who's like oh who is this guy singing it's i don't know it's probably probably one of the tommies or something everyone kind of sounds the same you know how everyone wanted to sound like eddie vetter or something i know yep everyone wanted to sound like him because he sold millions of records so everyone's just like i gotta sound like this dude because he's the one who's making the music and so a lot of people did sound like him but then they just kind of went off but you don't stand out exactly yep absolutely you are forgotten you know you're like oh it's one of the other guys that sounded like eddie vetter but everyone remembers Eddie better. You know, everyone remembers Frank Sinatra. You hear his voice on the radio and you're just like, you know exactly who that is. Yep. So, or you confuse it with Michael Bublé. So that happens. <laughs> Fair. But, so, and I do, I, I also understand how it takes a lot of effort. So just inherited this podcast. And obviously I want to keep it military related and things like that. So that the people of the 692nd, the personnel, get some benefits from it and also learn a little bit about who's in their group you know uh, there's there's 1100 airmen uh, or persons in this in this group uh, civilians contractors uh, and active duty so I want to make sure that they get something from it uh, that they can either maybe not use for the day but you know fill their fill their uh, commute from here to Wahiwa wherever they wherever they live and uh, I feel like this is a full-time job just doing podcasting and I only release every two weeks. Yes. So every now and then there's an ad hoc one that comes out, but like every two weeks is a lot. There's a lot of work that goes into even just making a podcast, uh, setting up interviews and things like that. Obviously we had to reschedule this interview. So it's, you know, things happen and having a full-time job being in the military and then pretty much having another full-time job doing, you know, what you do, your your music, your content creation, because you're not on just Spotify, but you're also making YouTube videos. Um, and I'm assuming that there's probably more things out there that I just haven't found yet. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't want to go stalking and, you know, start creeping through all, all the social media. But then you also, you have a family. So, and yes. you and you have a, a child, a four-year-old? I do. A girl or a boy? A boy. See, and... Four-year-old boys, uh, as a, a person who had a four-year-old boy, uh, he is now eight. 
they have nothing but energy. Nothing but it, yep. They are either sleeping or they are sprinting. Yes. And hopefully you can you know, keep up. <laughs> so, right. Which you can't, especially if you, you know, once you start having multiples. There's no way. That's when you have to have. It's a team. It's a team for, effort for, for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I completely understand that. I will ask. Watching one of your YouTube videos, mm-hmm. you talked about. Uh, like I said, I, I have three children, right? And I, I'm always, I'm always thinking about what to teach them, how to teach them. Um, make sure that in my mind, it's my job to make sure they grow up to be decent human beings, that they are contributing good to society, because. Everyone knows that we have enough bad in this world. Absolutely. And I want to make sure that they are not contributing to that, but they are kind of neutralizing that that bad and, and bringing a positive balance to things or kind of shift the balance towards that positivity. Mm. I know that uh, I feel listening to a lot of your music that you kind of want the same thing, not just for your for your child, obviously, but through your music and for your audience. Mm-hmm. So in one of your videos, the questions any artist should be ready to answer, mm-hmm. um, you talked about whether or not people want to be signed to a label or stay independent. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not an artist, uh, at least I'm not a musician. I can draw stick figures for artistic ability. <laughs> uh, but I would like to ask a little bit beyond that and try to, and try to figure out what do you want your music, videos, content message, and ultimately the legacy of Mike Sarge mm-hmm. to be man that that is a good and weighty uh question uh, it's heavy I know it, it's but it's it's really good um for me at the end of the day um when I'm you know when I'm dead and gone and things like that I, I don't want I don't want people to go well he was a good worker in the military and he was a good artist because to me I don't feel like that I don't feel like I affected change with just those things, those two things. I want, at the end of the day, I want people to be able to say, like, no, he either started a movement or contributed to a movement or every time he was in a section or he was stationed somewhere or he was in particular communities, there was legitimate change. There was growth. There was good conversation, whatever it might be. What I really want my legacy to be is is literally, you know, the motto and that's living authentic. I, when I'm around people, I want them to feel like they can be just themselves, like who they are, where they're from, how they were raised, whatever that is, is, is good enough. I don't want to get around people and them feel like they have to change around me. Like, it's funny, like when we, when we talk about my faith, uh, I have some coworkers that sometimes they feel like, oh, I'm sorry, I cussed like around you. What do you mean? You're fine. Like, (laughs) and and I understand they're doing that out of respect for me, but I always tell them like, "I, I need you to be yourself. Right. Because when things get hard and say, I need to lean on you or you need to lean on me, I know what I'm leaning on or you know what you're leaning on. And and also it's hard to it's hard to grow as a person when you're you're not honest about who you are. Not just where where you are currently, but where you came from. Uh, I can man, I couldn't tell you how many airmen I've had conversations with where they're stunted in growth not because they're not smart not because they're not talented it's because there's something in their past that mentally they feel like they can't break from but everything about them says they're way past that situation like they're 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 grown they're mature they have their own thoughts all these other things but because they still view themselves through the lens of who they were five years ago it's like they can't move forward 
and i never want i if anything if i want my legacy to be anything it's that people said man he every time i got around him like he required change like he required the best out of you he required you to be you no matter what the situation was and and when it comes to music i want my music to i want my music to be a bridge to greater conversations so the topics in my in my music can range i, I can talk about yeah, I could talk about work. I could talk about my struggles, but then sometimes I, I'll throw in jabs about politics. Sometimes I'll, I'll throw in jabs about civil unrest, which has been a huge topic in 2020. Obviously, I talk about all those things because I feel like if I can start the conversation and people like knowing my personality, they know it's coming from someone not trying to attack anyone. It's I can it may come off harsh, but you know my heart, and because you know my heart, you're like, okay, he just wants to see something happen. He wants to see change. He just wants to see us have conversations that might be difficult, but at the end of the day, it's going to help us all out in the end. So uh, that's what I hope my legacy ends up becoming. It, it just ends up being, all right, I'm going to be myself no matter the situation. And not only that, by me being myself, who am I going to encourage to be themselves? Like, because it needs to be a revolving door almost. It, Absolutely. It, it needs yeah. to be a, it's not about me. It needs to be about, like, who did I affect while I was here? If at the end of the day, I'm done with my career and all they can say is like, well, he helped mission. I don't feel like that's good enough because I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I can always be replaced. Like the, the military as a whole can always find someone to do the job. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, but if I'm providing impact, that means, oh, wait, he, he didn't just come in and do his job. Maybe. Okay. He improved mission. All right, cool. Okay. But he also affected the people that, that were under him, he even affected the people that were over him. You know, like that, that, that to me, him or her, you know, that, that to me says a lot more when it comes to my life. And that's what I meant about purpose. Like what, what is, when you get up every single morning, yes, we have motivations. It might be your family. Uh, you know, it might be just being in a better financial state than what you're, what you were raised in. That might be your motivation, but like, what is your purpose? Like what, why are you doing it? Like what, what is, what is the essential? Like I'm doing this for this said reason. And if you don't know what that is at this moment, that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's just asking that question because if you don't ask yourself that question you might slowly find that every day feels the same and you're like oh why don't i even do this in the morning oh i gotta get up to pt oh i gotta do this but if you don't have the purpose because i have the purpose no day is the same for me uh you mentioned the podcast like having different things to do for me yeah there's literally something new every single day like i could tell you something new or interesting uh, that I either experienced this week or that's something I learned about myself this week. So uh, that's what I would, that's definitely what I would say is, is my, uh, is my, hopefully ends up being my legacy. Matthew McConaughey has been doing like Lincoln Navigator, Lincoln commercials for 20 years now. Yes, yep. uh, and I think the last or the latest one that I've seen, it's got audio clips from his commencement speech or graduation speech from a from a from a university uh, i know that i know that speech went viral on youtube uh because i saw it and i don't see a lot but in that speech he said that the person he is trying to be like is him five years from now he's always looking to be to catch that guy because he knows that he's doing something great. He knows that he's, you know, providing impact and starting a movement or joining movements and, you know, furthering causes and things like that. And I, I thought that was really great. He also stated in there that knowing who you are 
is is hard. Find out who you are not. Start with that. Yeah. Um, and so it's funny. It's not funny. It's uh, it's interesting. Yesterday, I was helping out with the ALS top-off course that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And my briefing that I was giving was the supervisor real talk. Mm-hmm. I discussed about a couple of my airmen who were dating, had some issues, and it was a horrible time for me as a staff sergeant. One of those airmen did uh, wind up passing away after he had uh, been released from the Air Force. And I think that I made a lot of bad decisions as a young staff sergeant in that time. But at, at the end of all of it, based on you know, the outcome and the kind of the resolution uh, of the situation, I knew that I did what I needed to do to make sure that people were always treated with dignity and respect. And that's that's a big deal because he didn't get a lot of that. Mm. And I'm thinking with the Div- diversity and inclusion council that you're that you're part of. Mm-hmm. Now the audience can't see us; they don't know what you look like. Uh, they don't know what I look like. Actually, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, but uh, so you are like six foot four. Yeah, yeah. Right so, at it. Yep. So six foot four black man. Yep. From Atlanta, Georgia. Absolutely. So I would assume being from Central Florida, I'm a, a white male from Central Florida and I'm five nine. I don't know how short I am. But I think I'm actually I think five nine is the average across the globe. Yeah. I know or I would assume, based on my upbringing and probably based on yours, that you have had to deal with a lot of let's go with ignorance. Yeah, in uh, in the world, being stationed in Georgia, that's in Augusta, Georgia, at uh, at Fort Gordon. Uh, I know I've been to Augusta several times, mm-hmm. and I know the level of intelligence that is in the surrounding area, uh, probably on base as well. I I don't know too well. Yeah, some of that's filtered in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would hope so, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, that's not always the case. We had an instructor at DLI at the Defense Language Institute, my tech school as a linguist in California, who was, it was, it was, it was really weird. We went an entire, I don't know, 12 to f- maybe 14 months of Korean class. And then one day she just started saying a whole bunch of extremely racist things mm-hmm. about one of our black members. And everyone in the room was completely, we're waiting for, is this a Korean joke we just don't understand? Things right. like Because we never get the Korean jokes. I'm letting you know. Like, yeah, it's it's horrible. Definitely but experience those things. Yeah. It really took us by surprise. Anything like that, because she had been working on a, a joint military base for over 20 years. So I have no doubt that she has treated individuals, if that's the way she really thinks and feels or whatever, I have no doubt that she has probably put people that she doesn't think are worthy or whatever into certain situations where if you get below a 92 on the test in Korean course you fail like that's that's no longer an A anymore and you're not going to pass the DLPT so they get they kick you out of the class Mm. so we started with 96 people two of us passed the DLPT six of us made it to the end so it had a 96% or I mean a a 16% pass rate for the course um, and like I said, if you got anything below 92, it was a good chance that you were going to be out of the course, possibly even out of the military. Wow. Um, so it was rough and it was very, it was very uh, difficult for us. And it makes me think back that how many people over the past 20 years has she taught and had influence over someone's career that has gone kind of unchecked? Because if she made it to my class, that means there's upwards of at least 40 other classes that she got to influence you know, Definitely. in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Um, and there's speaking tests. There's reading and writing tests, things like that. 
there's a whole bunch of different aspects that go into just that course. It's not just having a, a one-on-one conversation with people, things like that. It's, it's, it's difficult to think about whose lives have been affected by that. Um, and things like that, a lot of people um, that I know personally have never taken the time to really think about those types of things. Think about the impacts of people's thoughts and prejudices and biases and how they affect the rest of the world. Um, so I will say that Chief Trish, uh, who is also a, I think he's 6'3". I think you might. He's pretty tall, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he is also a tall black man. After the George Floyd murder that occurred on May 29th, yep. all of the discussions and things like that that have happened since those, uh, Chief Trish really took it upon himself to sit down with a lot of people and have open conversations, you know, start those conversations that unfortunately, if you look like me, it's really hard to start those conversations. And it's really difficult for me to expect or even really have the audacity to believe that someone is willing to have those conversations with me. Because some of those are extremely personal types of experiences that people have uh, can be extremely personal. And I I think Chief Trish, as he... uh, as he was dealing with his own emotions on those and making sure that he expressed those emotions to us and we can express how we feeling and what we're dealing with and things like that. That t- takes a much bigger man than what a lot of people would you know, think. Like, well, he just True. he just told you what happened like 10 years ago. It's like, no, it's it's, it's years. It's, yeah, that's 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 tough because it's um, you are it, it's like when you experience any type of trauma, you don't you're not just relaying a message of something that happened years ago what you're doing is you're reliving the experience again. absolutely and um actually true story i was actually just telling my coworkers this uh so when when covid happened and then they started taking people's temperatures at at, at uh at particular buildings and stuff like that yeah uh with the little temperature gun i had to recently tell some coworkers of mine that hey like i i always react the wrong way when when that's happening and i'm like why it's, it's like a it's like a temperature gun i was like i understand that but i've actually had a gun put in my face yeah multiple it's times. a temperature gun right yes so and they're gonna pull a trigger yes so though i know it's not yeah. it's, it's not a real gun i'm still having flashbacks yeah, of absolutely. those moments and that's what i think sometimes gets missed it, it, it's as you said it's it's not just people uh, telling you experiences it's it's them going through their those emotions all over again uh as if it was happening to them in that moment like yeah. that that is uh that's hard and, and you mentioned you know george floyd yeah i hope that is the day we 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 don't forget um i remember when the group well the squadrons and the group basically came together to have those forums yeah and honestly the first one i was gonna kind of just sit back because at that time i hadn't even been on base for like a year yet so i'm like I'm, I'm the new guy. Let me just let me just fall back, right? Let me not say anything. And I could just feel. Oh man, there were so many emotions. I could feel the, the the tension. I could feel the almost like hopelessness a little bit because people felt like you could see it on the on people's faces. Like some people wanted to say something, but they didn't know what to say. And then you had others that you could tell like they wanted to say everything, but they just didn't know how to phrase it. I eventually broke my silence. It was like 20, 25 minutes in, and I, and I said something. It was very, very small. By the time we got done with that forum, I remember uh, the commander saying, uh, Sergeant Manny, thank you 
for for your words i don't really know much about you but thank you then i started getting messages through the chat yeah of that same of that same forum like yo that's i needed to hear that thank you like i couldn't have said anyway and and to me i didn't think i did anything special to be completely honest with you i was just really just giving my heart i guess yeah and and that's why i think like music has been so important for me because i realized when, when i talked about the purpose earlier i realized that for me i when i speak i normally am not speaking for myself uh and it took me a while to learn that yeah uh, but I, I i've learned that i'm normally speaking for people that don't have a voice like yeah although in my experiences in there every now and again but most of the time i'm speaking for people that don't really have the platform to, to speak yeah or, or they don't they just don't know how to phrase it correctly to where it's accepted by the general population or whatever it is. That's a sad point that people in general feel like they have to phrase something to where it's not taken in a certain way. There you go. It's yep. like, how about you listen to the message and you understand where the message is coming from, yes. regardless of how it makes you feel. Yes. Like my reaction to your experiences is irrelevant or, you know, what you're saying. And that that is very difficult to explain to people. Yes. And I know that I've I've had straight up arguments with people that I love mm -hmm. uh, about certain things. So I completely understand. There's a there's a book that I that I've read recently. Why I stopped talking to white people about race mm. or about racism. Totally. I think I've seen the cover for that. Actually. Yeah. I'm sorry that you have to feel like you need to put the message in a way that doesn't ruffle. trigger people. R ruffle feathers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned the older that I've gotten. I'll say that I've actually gotten better at knowing, though, when when ruffling is a good thing. Yeah. When ruffling feathers isn't necessarily as long as your intent isn't to be malicious. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I, I like when I say things, I, I never the intent is never to hurt anyone. Right. That's, absolutely. Just, that's just not how I'm built. But however, I will say like there was one particular time. Actually, it was the second forum. Actually, now I think about it. It was the second DNI forum and we were talking. And I remember the question was, how should the Air Force react? Should this be a training on diversity? Like, how should it, should it be? Should we treat it like we do, like sexual assault training or green dot? Like, how should we treat it? And I remember, I remember people giving their opinion. Some people said like it should be a training. Other people said that they shouldn't. And I could hear both sides. And I was like, okay, so how do I feel? How do I legitimately feel about this? And I remember um, someone in my leadership. They said, well, do we really want to have a training? where people are just kind of checking the box so to speak yeah you know and what's funny is when they said it i felt it 100 percent, but it caused me to feel the, actually the opposite way and this is what i mean when they said it i immediately like unmuted myself and i said i 100 percent agree with you but I'm, I'm gonna say this i think now i feel like it does need to be a training and the reason why i say that is because if we're saying that green dot is just as important and it has to be brief if we're talking about uh religious freedom and that has to be brief this is definitely something that should be talked about now will there be people that check that box off and they're like i'm just gonna show up to this commander's call because right. i have to do this or it's a mandatory train yes absolutely but if we're being honest the goal when we have these tough conversations regardless if it's like when we talk about diversity because diversity isn't just about race it's, right it's, it's diversity in race and gender uh it, like anything right yes so but when we say this is mandatory when i say i think it needs to be thought of as mandatory is because it's not about changing their minds correct like it, it's not about changing someone's mind like hey you know the way that you're thinking it's wrong it's sowing the seed 
to grow a better environment for your unit or your workplace or wherever you're at. Because if we set an environment to where out of 20 people, 18 are saying, no, we won't accept this type of environment. Even if you have those other two that act a particular way, either one of the two things are going to happen. Either they're going to be reprimanded for the way that they're acting or they're going to go, I don't want to be in this Air Force. Like, I don't agree with any of this stuff. And that's right. fine. We don't we don't want that. Here. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So there there is ruffling feathers isn't all negative. Like, you know, sometimes ruffling feathers just means either people need to be placed in the positions that they actually need to be placed in to be effective. Or it could just mean maybe we need to make the changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we need to make the necessary changes to grow that environment that we really want to have so i, I think man, i i don't i don't mind ruffling feathers every now and then. i was just as you were going through that i was also thinking and kind of i like the devil's advocate in my brain a lot mm-hmm. and i kind of got to the point where i'm thinking to myself okay why do we do green dot training right yep. we are trying to make sure people have better thought processes available to them so that they don't cause someone trauma yep that's, a, that's, yeah. that's the purpose of that. We go through sapper training so that if you are traumatized, you know the avenues in which you can report, the help, helping agencies and things like that, yep. and to reduce the amount of trauma. And like you said earlier, the things that you've had to experience with having a gun to your head, that is traumatic, mm-hmm. and it will continue to cause you trauma unless you do exposure therapy. And you get used or numb to the idea of having a gun to your head. I don't think you should do that. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) There's some exposure therapy. That's not one of the ones I would recommend. The idea of not having, yes, there will always be that person who checks the box. We have those people in the Air Force today. We have those people across the world. Uh, There's always people there's like, oh, I just got to do this. Check the box and and be done with it. But we as as a, a unit, a group, an Air Force need to understand, we need to recognize that this type of environment or that type of thing that's affecting so many of our of our service members, contractors, civilians, whatever, anyone who's associated with the Air Force, if we don't feel that a mandatory annual training is good enough, then do a mandatory annual briefing. And then every quarter you have sit-down sessions and discuss things that are going on. Um, I, I have a feeling that a lot of People who look like me have been blind to a lot of things. I've heard of, you know, obviously uh, Trayvon Martin happened in in Florida, so I heard about that, and there was both back and oh, forth. Yeah. And I, in my mind, felt myself siding with both sides, uh, and it's it's difficult. And I was like, what was I thinking back then? Right? Obviously, that was that was 2012. Well, yeah, around that time, because it was around the time of Mike yeah. Brown as well. It was like Trayvon, Mike Brown. There was another situation that wasn't too yeah. far off. Freddie so, Gray, I believe, in Virginia. And I feel like, like those yeah. are the, those are the three that made news enough to where I I heard about it. Because in 2012, I was still in Korea. Gotcha. And then I believe, obviously, I came back to Texas in October of 2012. So I, I'm not sure where I was. But if I was in Korea and I heard about this, it's obviously a big deal. Um, so, but those are the only ones we hear about. Yeah. It's just, I think that people say diversity and inclusion as buzzwords. Yeah. And I haven't seen, you know, outside of what we're doing now, mm-hmm. I haven't seen too much. We've been talking about diversity since I joined the air force in 2002. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen very much movement towards that. We literally just had the first black chief of staff of the air force. Yeah. 
2020. In 2020. Yeah. I mean, it, it took us almost 80, uh, 70 plus years. Yeah. Uh, I suck at math. Um, so, and we had the very first Chief Master in the Air Force, a female Chief Master in the Air Force. So, yes, she checks, unfortunately, right? Are... It's a, yeah, she checks a box of female, of uh, minority, things like that. So, we're just like, oh, we're checking all the boxes with her. I worked with Chief Bass and in Goodfellow, and I loved working for her. You know, as our wing chief at the 17th Training Wing at Goodfellow, so I loved working for her. Uh, I thought she was the best pick. Uh, and there's certain people like Chief Trish who, you know, uh, kind of bring it full circle back to the purpose of you know why you do what you do and the messages and the legacy. Uh, there are certain people that we all know that Chief who got out of the Air Force and is now Mr. And there's also those, like Chief Trish will be one of those. If you see him on the street, you're going to yell Chief. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to be like, hey, yeah. Warren. One, I, I don't know, for some reason, like, uh, obviously he, I don't know what a Warren looks like, but <laughs> it just, I maybe it's because he's still technically a Chief that I feel awkward calling yeah, him Warren. Like I, but he's just I'm Chief probably just going to still right? end up calling him Chief, honestly. Yeah. yeah. There's a guy, a good fellow, who's a one in four instructor. Uh, he's one of the civilians or contractors. I'm not sure. His name is JJ, and everyone calls him Chief Graham. Like, he hasn't been a chief since the 90s, but everyone who goes through, the, it's like, oh, that's Chief right there. It's like, cool. Yeah. So, and everyone knows him as Chief. And then once you start talking to him and interacting with him, you're like, okay, I can see why they still right. call you Chief, you know? Um, we had one in Korea he, that I saw him at, afterwards. I was like, oh, hey, Mr. Snuffy. And he's like... I was your group chief. I was like, yes, you were an E9 in my group. I <laughs> so uh, he didn't like that, but I I really don't. Care. He was That's he was only funny. out for himself. I gotcha. And whenever a chief EPR only has three lines on it, really like, what did you do for your people? And you don't really have anything to put there. So that's not a blatant lie. Um, gotcha. Then you're a mister now, right? Once you, once you leave the Air Force... <laughs> Yeah. Have a great day, Mr. Snuffy. Yeah. So no, but I I see what you mean. Like when you when you talk about the diversity piece, like we've like you. I mean, you mentioned the people from the Air Force. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Obama was president. Like if we're honest, like it wasn't that long ago. So it's yep. to to think that these things are kind of just now happening. Um, and you know, when we mentioned with diversity, like I've had many conversations with my um, female counterparts whether it's co-workers or other artists and things like that how like how do you how would you feel like every time you went to a meeting you know it's 90 percent you know men in the room you know or when when things when moves are being made or changes are or ideas are being thrown up yours is kind of put on the back end or asked at the end yeah when everyone's kind of already made the decision and then at that point you just don't want to be that that one female in the room that's like making waves or rocking the boat so some people just kind of fall back and go no you know whatever just you guys do what you want to do. like there's so many elements to diversity that i think kind of get kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit like i'll be the i'll be the first one to tell you especially when it comes to airmen i tell them guys i don't know where you guys are from i don't know what your family dynamic growing up things like that but i don't want you to feel like you have to hide those things like yeah. like those things make you special like that's what makes you different yeah. um and so i will always celebrate with you guys regardless of the differences when it was uh hispanic heritage month uh i have an airman and and every time she came in i was like hey what'd you what'd you do for hispanic heritage month 
and she look and she look at me like, well, thanks, thank you for asking, Sergeant Bennett, and because because for me, that if that's something that that matters to them, then if I'm over them, it should matter to me. Absolutely, like that, that's how I feel. That, that's what I think leadership is. Like I, I really feel like if it matters to them, then it should matter to me. Now, granted, will it be different on my priority list? Like because I obviously have my, my life as well. Right. Yeah. But it should matter to me, just like with your your kids. What matters to them, you, you care about, you pay attention to. Okay, what are yes. their likes? What are their dislikes? It, it should be the same thing. And hopefully, for people that uh, you know care for me, like hopefully it's the same thing. You know, hopefully anytime they see me, they don't only want to have like sports or music conversations. Like right. every now and again, it's like, hey, how have you been doing? Like, hey, like I know you do a lot. You know, are you yeah. taking care of you? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. When you when you care about people, you show it. And I think that a lot of the diversity talks would go i think they would be more constructive if people would focus on caring for people first like seeing people as people yeah like i i'd laugh and i joke about it like not all black people think the same but then i tell black people well then stop holding this the stigma that all white people think the same because right. that's not that's not the case i'm sorry like right. like i i i mentioned earlier i'm the oldest out of four we were raised by the same parents mm-hmm. but all four of us are different yeah. like a lot of different like we have similar likes but we're different yeah. and if that's the case with your own siblings and family members can you imagine what that's like for people that were raised in different environments than you Absolutely. different states different countries maybe so like I, I just think i think that's important for us to understand if we could just like view people as people that have strengths and flaws as well and they're just trying to make it through life like just like we are yeah i think a lot of those conversations even the ones that are tough i think they're easier they're yeah. a lot easier that's a great segue into i think probably one of the hardest questions i have for you okay go for it cereal cereal okay is it a super knot oh you know uh and I'm, I'm a cereal fan I, I i love i can eat cereal any time of the day too I I, I I right now i got as i'm thinking about i got a, three boxes on top of my fridge right now mm-hmm. i got cinnamon toast crunch yeah there's fruity pebbles and there's frosted flakes like right now on top of my fridge yeah. so is it a soup so you're a sweet cereal guy. I I can do reg I can do regular cereal too. I can go with Cheerios. I can go with. I actually like Raisin Bran Crunch more than I like Raisin Bran. Could I don't you know do why. Grape Nuts? Ooh, you know what? No, I could. I, yeah? I, I, could, I could. Yeah, I could. The only one that I, I I just can't do, no matter how many times I try, is Wheaties. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I, I just I can't. No, like I could I could I could do that. Ah, oh, is it a soup? I'll go. I could. I can call it a soup. I, I could. You can call it a soup. Yeah, I could call it a soup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could give that. I could give that up. So I didn't even know. I didn't really think about it at the time, obviously. But I, I uh, threw that out to my wife. She had an answer right away. She's like, "No, it's a stew." And I was like, "Okay." So and and so in my mind, being a Korean linguist, I think of soup as in uh, gook, which is soup in Korean. Okay. And then. Chige, which is a stew. So, like, kimchi chige is kimchi stew. And in my mind, the way, when I differentiate those, it's the content to broth ratio. Okay. When they do chige versus gook. And that's what my wife said as well. She's more of a foodie. I'm a non-taster, so I just eat the food. Gotcha. And it makes my belly big. So, whenever she's like, no, it's stew, if anything, I was like, that's that's probably, that's probably accurate. In my mind as well. Because I mean, you could always have like one Cheerio in a big old bowl of milk, milk, but then it'd be a soup. So I guess it, so. What we're really saying it depends on how much cereal, like you, what's your cereal to milk ratio. That's really what we're. 
Yeah, d- I guess it depends then, huh? Because I know some people that they prefer to have more cereal than milk. I do. See, for me, it depends on the it type depends of on the cereal. cereal. There yeah. you go. See, yeah. yeah. See, if it's if it's a cereal where the milk is not going to taste that great, then eh, yeah, whatever. Or the fruity pebbles, like you have to you have to keep the milk a little bit under the yep. line so that you can scoop in the you know as yep. it still stays. Because if there's too much milk, the whole thing's going to get soggy oh, really it's quick. Just, yeah, yep. it's different. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. It's not at all. So cinnamon yep. toast crunch, I can see half and half is, is probably good. Yep, this stay crunchy pretty well, and the milk's going to be delicious. Afterwards. Yep. Oh, absolutely. The cinnamon toast so, crunch milk is is fire. Yeah. All right. So it depends on how much soup or how. <laughs> How much milk to cereal ratio you have? Yep. Ah, oh, it's a different one. I'm gonna I'm I'm throw this at my wife when I when I get back now. Annoying animals. Ooh. If you could talk to an animal, who do you think would be the most annoying to talk to? Ah. Uh, Perhaps maybe maybe the most annoying voice or just annoying just to talk to. I'm gonna go with either one or two. I'm either gonna go with a goldfish. Because I'm I'm told their memory is is very very like short. Mm-hmm. Either that or a squirrel. Because I feel like a squirrel would be all over the place. It it would be. I, I'd feel like. I mean, I assume so because we that's what we say squirrel moment. A squirrel right? moment, right? Like, so I I'd, I'd feel like having a conversation. Yeah, 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 that's great. Hey, you want to go get some food? No, no, no food. Hey, what, 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 oh, you see that tree over there? I like that tree. Like I feel I feel yeah. like it would it would I don't feel like the conversation would be consistent. I feel like it would just. Either that or the goldfish. It's one of those two. I don't have one that will match the goldfish, but my eleven-year-old. If you if you ever want to know what it's like to talk to a squirrel, mm-hmm. I'll I'll uh, I'll let you hang out with her for a day. <laughs> so, especially her and her friends. Oh boy, uh, she's got a friend named Asa that comes over all the time, and he uh, he is bouncing all the way. But obviously, like him and my daughter, when they talk. In my mind, they are bouncing between everything, but they know exactly where they're going uh, because they're like they're like on the same wavelength. Gotcha. Thankfully, my my ADHD or whatever I have, um, I can also keep up with them. But my wife is like, oh, "It's too much." I have no idea. She's like, I, "I don't even want to do like, that." With this. I was like, yeah, "That's funny." <laughs> this is literally what happens in my head all day. Mm. Well, I want to thank you for for coming and talking to us and having us kind of get a glimpse into not just. You know who you are as an artist, as an airman, but as a person. Um, I think that, like you said before, getting to know people for people and the people that they are, uh, based on because we're all a, a sum of our parts, right? So yep. all the experiences we've had, all the all the thoughts and and uh, whatever chemical makeup we've got in our brains, it determines who we are and how we address the world around us. And I I always want to know a little bit more about each each person that i meet i want to know what they think how they feel about certain things what made them who they are and even on some level what type of children they're going to raise or you know what type of impact they're going to leave hopefully it's a good one that we can all benefit from in in the end absolutely is there anything you would like to say to the to the group uh for like a like a parting shot um obviously it's not a going away speech so i know right don't say like thank you for all the good memories you know but i'm leaving yeah i know uh no i i well, one thank you for having me this this was awesome and anytime i, I get a, a chance to have these conversations like I, I always jump at them if anything i would i would just say to anyone like listening just continue being yourself like it's okay to it's okay to be you and sometimes uh it's okay when you don't feel like you're as appreciated all the time but, you know, that's always going to go back to that purpose. Like, do you do it to get that appreciation from people or, or or do you do it because 
uh, you have a passion for it or do you do it because there's a particular goal or milestone that you're trying to reach? Um, it could be work related. It could be, hey, I want to be able to run my mile and a half in this time or I want this particular PT test or this opportunity, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, just don't allow the situation or surrounding you to 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 get you distracted from what you really want or what you really love. So I, I, I'll drop that nugget right there for anyone listening. And hopefully that uh, everyone stays safe out here. Enjoy your family if you have one. If you don't have your own family, enjoy the family that you got back at home. Call your mom or your dad or your siblings, or your grandma, whoever it is. Tell them you love them. Uh, all that jazz. And, and keep living life. Keep being strong. The flashing lights, signing autographs for the rest of the night. Sitting with celebrities on your first class flight. But you had this feeling in your heart that there's more to life. So confused you can't find yourself. Because it's hard being happy when you're being compared to everybody else. It's the truth. And I'm hoping that'll click. Be you, enjoy your life and be authentic. Be you, enjoy your life and be authentic. It don't matter what he say or she say, you be who God made you to be. That was Tech Sergeant Manning, aka Mike Sarge. Using his personal experiences, he creates diverse lyrical atmospheres that show us how he thinks and feels about the world in which we live. Whether related to bullying or a threat on his life, Mike Sarge gives his heart to his audience openly to inspire people to be their most authentic selves. The song at the beginning of the show was his song, All Night. The sample you just heard was from Authentic. And finally, we will close out this interview with an extended sample from With the Spinach. All of Mike Sarge's music is available on iTunes and Spotify. If music isn't your thing, stop by and talk about sports or family. Getting to know our airmen is one of the best perks I have with this podcast, but I'm also thankful that you get to meet them as well, even if it is for a digital hour. I'm just pop by with the spinners. People watching all the time. How you been? Then I sow. Then I read. Let it grow. It's time to eat. People been like, bro, where you been at? I done sent you over 50 texts. Yeah, man. Yeah, I saw the texts and I never responded. Yet they still ain't get the message. I, uh-huh. Cause I been had that. Been authentic as the motto. Man, I been proud that. Every day I'm still getting better Trying to bring the heat in the cold weather Had to step away for a little bit Now the message strong like a Dr. Pepper Ooh, we like an eagle, we be flying Ooh, we yeah, you know we steady grinding And if you steady lying, man, I treat you like a diet Hey, Sarge, what that mean? Cut them off, cut them off yeah. I'm just pop by with the spinach People asking all the time How you get it? Man, I saw